How is everybody doing? And welcome back for another Strength Chat episode. Today, I have got a very special guest for you. Today, I'm joined by a powerlifter, a weightlifter, and a physiotherapist. Today, I am joined by the one and only Jess. I hope I say this right. So, Astenko, how are you doing? I am great, Stephen. Thanks so much for having me. And you absolutely nailed that. Oh, spot on. Uh, there we go. <laughs> nerves, nerves have all gone now. Um, hard to have the podcast on. <laughs> um, how are you? What's been happening in your world? What have you been up to recently? Yeah, I've been pretty good. Um, other than the crazy things going on in the world right now. And I think in <laughs> Australia, we're battling, um, I guess, not drowning. Um, everything's been pretty good. <laughs> Um, I, I guess recently for us, um, we've just sort of, we're on the verge of finding out, um, with Commonwealth Games coming up, what's happening. So things have been pretty busy, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, otherwise everything's been great. And what sort of the, um, the timings for the Commonwealth Games are finding everything, finding everything else about that? Because I know, um, I've actually got a client who recently went to Australia because your borders have recently just opened and that sort of stuff. What's kind of the, the process with that? Yeah, so I guess um, with, with Com Games itself, um, we pretty much already have verdicts, but we've just got to wait for the official um, okay to have the team released. Um, but yeah, everything's kind of happening. So all the qualifying competitions for weightlifting anyway are finalised and they're all done. So I think everyone either knows or doesn't know at this point, um, which is pretty cool, um, even though we're still like four and a bit months out. So it's um, kind of weird to find out this early um, but yeah I think we're one of the first sports to actually have confirmation that people are going or not so um, I think in terms of that that's a lot of stress off people's shoulders to have another big qualifying event all sort of behind and now the big thing to come forward um, but yeah I think with borders and stuff it definitely made all the competitions in the lead up a bit different um, but I think everything's settling down a bit now. Yeah, I know from watching, um, it must have been last year now, the first international um, competition that I watched for weightlifting was the Europeans. And it kind of went from um, uh, people just competing locally to then, boom, right, you're on the you're on the international stage, um, uh, you know, uh, again, which is, you know, um, just to take into account the, the nerves that you would usually have for a competition and all those sorts of things, and then take into account travelling. Um, it's probably a good thing that, you know people know um that that, that early on which is uh, which is good um so obviously i did uh, quite a, a brief introduction there obviously there's more to you than just the powerlifting weightlifting and, and, and physio but for anyone listening who might not know your background uh, in uh, training in competing um, and getting into strength sports just want to give a little bit of a background to yourself yeah, for sure. I'll keep it pretty short and sweet. And if we want to dive into anything specific, we can. Um, but I've been um, competing in sport for uh, like as long as I can remember. Um, I've started off with, I think like most of us did in, in primary school, the old like, you know, either cross country running or swimming one or the other. Um, so I was a cross country runner back in primary school and went through, um, I did a lot of competitive karate for about 17 years um through that played a lot of football um football is in rugby league here um and a bit of rugby union um and then I found myself in strength sports at the back end of sort of where I would say my um, athletic career is now um and that's where I found my powerlifting and my my weightlifting which is where my heart's at now um so I think through as a kid I've been super lucky to be exposed to so many different aspects of sport um individual team um strength endurance you name it um which I think has attributed a lot to where I'm at today this day and age um but yeah definitely a big variety along the way 
Yeah, I think that's. I, I always like to ask about the um the the sports side of things and what have people done before powerlifting or weightlifting because I, I find it um especially with um the the rugby league and rugby union that's kind of my background as well and then I ended up not playing as much um rugby sort of both codes and then gravitated more towards the strength just to have something you know competitive um and with that you know I, I remember always having an interest in strength I remember you know over here in the UK I'm not sure if it's the same in in, in Australia having um world's strongest man always on at Christmas and you'd watch them and be like, I think that's I think that's pretty cool had you always had an interest in um well there's actually a two-part to this one so hopefully you can keep with me um had you always had an interest in in strength sports from doing karate and and playing rugby and sort of the um the the second the second part of that is um do you think having played a variety of sports before getting into weightlifting and powerlifting was actually um more of a benefit rather than you know a lot of people now because you know, you can type in powerlifting on Instagram and you'll find loads and loads, loads and loads of stuff. And people are maybe getting an entry point into powerlifting and weightlifting um, at maybe a younger age rather than, you know, some people gravitating towards it a little bit later after they've, you know, dabbled in a couple of sports. If both of those make sense. Yeah, 100%. I guess the first one about always wanting to do strength sports, I'd, I'd say no. Like, I think for me, I, when I was, I don't know, this sounds like I'm carrying on, like I'm old, I'm not old, I'm 28, but I know when I was back when I was a teenager, you know, women or females, girls didn't lift, we didn't go to the gym, or if we did, we were on a treadmill, um, I went to a sports school in high school, and it was always, you know, if we did SNC in the gym, it was always, you know, the girls would go stand on the BOSU ball and play around and be on the treadmill, <laughs> and the boys would be lifting the weights, um, so I guess, like, I wasn't exposed to it until I was kind of forced into it, um, so I had a lot of injuries and a lot of um, surgeries when I was quite young um, and so I was kind of forced into that regime quite early on to get exposure to it um, and then it wasn't until later down the track where I decided to give it a go that I actually kind of fell in love with it um, so it was probably accidental that I fell into into weights and into strength sports um, and to be honest when I went to university it was probably the first time was about 18 when I actually started going to a gym and like had a membership and I'd go with my partner um, and we, you know, I'd mimic him. I'd be like, oh, what are you doing? I'm going to join in. And it kind of went from there as like the exposure and the numbers get pretty addictive. Um, so I guess early on, not necessarily. I mean, I was very invested in my endurance sports, um, in my mobility for my karate and I was still running. Um, so for me, you know, going to the gym was a chore at school. They kind of forced you in there and I'd go stand on the treadmill. Um, so I guess <laughs> in terms of that, yeah, definitely not. Um, second part to that question, sum me up again. Oh, yeah. Um, so <laughs> I, I realised then I was I was thinking about when they when it came to mind, the um, being, uh, having a background in such a variety of sports and playing different, because, you know, you hear now of um, people who have been, um, so like a big example for probably over in the UK, Emily Campbell, obviously really successful, you know, British weightlifter, um, had a background in athletics and then obviously has gravitated towards the weightlifting side of, side of things. Do you think having, um, you know, played a variety of sports before, you know, that background in sort of mobility and maybe probably having an understanding of your, of your own body, coming into the strength sports was maybe a benefit rather than, you know, um, uh, 
younger people now having an entry point into powerlifting and weightlifting kind of straight away. And that's the only sport that they do rather than I remember playing loads of variety of sports. And then it's only, you know, over the last couple of years that I've been like, right, okay, I'm, I'm going to do powerlifting. I'm going to do powerlifting now. What are kind of your thoughts on that? I kind of think there's a middle ground. Like I think variety is super important when we're young. We want to develop, you know, motor patterns and we want to, we want to be good at a variety of things. You, you never want to specialize when you're really young. Um, and I guess as a physio, you see kids who are very specialized end up, you know, down the track with more likely of a chance to fall off because of, you know, the pressure to be pushed so early. Um, they get bored, they get injured because they're only strong through a certain motor pattern and through certain muscles. Um, so I think it can be absolutely a detriment to be too specialized and fall straight into a sport and be expected to maintain over such a long period of time. Um, to be completely honest, out of powerlifting and weightlifting, I don't know a lot of, for example, like youths or juniors who have become successful seniors. And you don't see that often because I just don't think people stick it out. It's a very long game to be just lifting a barbell in the same movements for 10 plus years. Um, but you do be, you are really specialized and you are very technically efficient if you do that. Um, whereas I guess if you go the other way, and I guess for me, I feel like, you know, I probably could have started a couple of years earlier and had a little bit more of a successful trajectory where I, you know, I've been weightlifting for two years and my technical efficiency is horrible, but in saying that I could have definitely started earlier, but I probably wouldn't be as strong as what I am now or be as athletic as what I am now. Um, so I think, for me, even though I've only just recently jumped over to weightlifting, you know, the powerlifting previously was really important for my strength foundation to now. Um, before then, even though there's not a whole lot of carryover with like karate and with running and all that, I think being competitive from such a young age has not only instilled the physical stuff, but it's instilled that mental, you know, drive and that mental motivation, that fight. Um, I think it's super important to have, you know, that competitive mindset and you build that from a young age um, and that discipline and resilience to, you know, I've got to train, you know, this is my goal, this is competition. Um, so I think for me, long-term starting with different sports earlier was important for my growth mentally more so than probably physically. Um, but I would say that it, it's absolutely helped. It's built a good foundation for me now. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's an interesting point, especially when you mentioned there about the competitive side of things, because, um, you know, from having uh, especially, you know, the powerlifting and the, and the weightlifting side of things, you know, you said earlier on about chasing numbers, it becomes addictive. And, you know, I always say you kind of catch the, the powerlifting bug and be like, oh, well, if I add this amount of kilos to my total, I can I can get this, which people enjoy. And, you know, I think people like the stats side of it. Whereas if you've never been exposed to other um, competitive elements, whatever that may, whatever that may be, I think sometimes it can be kind of a daunting, you know, experience, you know, going to your first uh, powerlifting competition, because I, I always had the mentality of, you know, playing rugby, it's 15 against 15 or 13 against 15, right, we're going to aim to beat you, whereas in the kind of strength world, everyone wants everyone to see them do well. You want to, you know, if people are going for a lift, it's kind of a different environment, still competitive, you know, depending on, depending on the level, but it is, it is a different environment. How did you find your first competition in powerlifting and then now making the transition over to weightlifting? Um, were nerves both the same for two different um, uh, strength sports or how did you, how did you find that? Oh, I probably have some recency bias with the weightlifting, to be honest, but I, I don't know. I mean, I started powerlifting competitively 
probably six years ago now. Um, so I, I didn't powerlift for, in the big scheme of things, not too long. Um, I was probably competitive powerlifting for four years before I made a transition. And I remember at the start of that, I, I mean, at the time I was nervous and, you know, I, I hated the thought. I think for women, it's always like, oh, I've got to wear that soft suit or, oh, everyone's going to be looking at me and oh, I don't want to wear that. And, you know, it's all those little things. It's not the bigger picture that you're worried about. Um, and I, I think especially when you start off, you know, you don't have that same pressure because people don't know who you are and, you know, they see you as a beginner and that's a good thing because there's no expectation, you know, you're setting your own bar. And I enjoyed that a lot in powerlifting. And to be honest, I enjoyed that a lot with weightlifting and just going to a new community where they didn't really know who I was. They didn't know my name and it was nearly a clean slate. Um, so for me, I think at the time it's always daunting when you're a beginner, you're thinking, you know, everyone's watching, everyone expects me to not miss and that's freaky. But as you go through your journey, you start to realize it actually probably gets scarier the, the longer you go because those expectations and that bar is so high. Um, but I think comparatively sport to sport, I don't know why, but I always found powerlifting so much less daunting compared to weightlifting. And I think it was just because with powerlifting, I could always look down. Like I didn't have to look at people. Like I'd look at the ref's feet when I would squat and deadlift and nothing would change. Weightlifting, I have to look up. Um, so I remember my first weightlifting competition. I did it in a CrossFit gym where there were all the rigs in the background and people moving around. And I was really thrown off by it. I was just didn't know where to stare wasn't used to picking a focal point, wasn't used to being forced to look up. Um, and I found that really daunting. Um, but between the two, they're so similar. And, you know, they're both strength sports. And I think as soon as you try not to, I guess, like put the weight on your shoulders of other people's expectations, it does get a lot easier because, you know, you just have more confidence in yourself and, you know, to execute your plan and everything goes well from there. Yeah, I think that's. Uh, I never thought of. I never thought of it like that, especially uh, in a. Because when you said you know looking down on powerlifting, you kind of think on bench press, you're just looking up, up, looking up to the ceiling. Squat and deadlift, <laughs> you can kind of not not get anyone in anyone's eye. How did you? Yeah. Um, was that quite a, a big adjustment then? Just I know I, I mentioned I mentioned in the email I might go off on a tangent, but in terms <laughs> of the actual competition, did that take a little bit of a time to adjust? Because you know, especially with the with the two lifts and the fact you know having to. Hold having to hold the bar and you know all, all those sorts of things did that take a little bit of a time to uh to, to adjust and um did that maybe throw you off in terms of because i know you know you'll watch um because uh, it was the uh british um uh powerlifting championships over over the weekend and you watch the stream and people will uh walk up to the bar have the same routine get yourself set and then you can kind of switch off from everything whereas you know sometimes for, for weightlifting the the walkout is miles away especially when i watch the uh the, the you know the, the olympics and those those sorts of things how would it take in terms of the adjustment adjustment for that yeah, I think like so it depends on the competitions, you know, like for our local meets, you know, that you don't have that big dramatic lead up. It's it's very similar to powerlifting. You're there at the chalk bowl, you walk out, you set up. The main difference would be that the looking down versus the looking up. And to be completely honest, I I really struggled with it. I found it really daunting that I had to look up and look the refs in the eyes. I'm kind of like, you know, they've just got this neutral face, you know, and I just wasn't used to having to fix on that. Um, and to be honest, it probably took me two or three competitions to have that not run through my head where I'd turn up to the venue and I'd have to get myself on the platform before the event started and work out where I was going to look. And I'd have to turn just offset to the ref so I wasn't looking them dead in the eyes. And 
I'd really get anxious over that, you know, the thought of going in, I'm going to have to stare this rep in the eyes. Um, but I think after the third comp, once I become more confident with my lifts and especially snatch, you know, that first snatch, once I was confident with that, that went away, which was really nice. Um, but I remember as a beginner with powerlifting too, you know, you walk out and you know, everyone's looking at you and it freaks you the hell out when you know that there's just all eyes on you and you can't stuff it up. Um, I guess the other thing with weightlifting, like you said, there is sometimes a nice big walkout. Um, but I think for me, being a competitor for so long, you get really good at just like your mental approach to the bar and it all becomes gray. You end up in that flow state where you don't remember that walk. You don't even remember doing the lift half the time. You know, you sort of just, you're at the chalk bowl and then you're on the platform and then the weight's above your head and you're like, oh, that's good. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, the better you, the more efficient you become in your lifting, the more you end up in that state of, you're not thinking about it too much, you know, it just sort of happens. Yeah, definitely. I think that's it, you know, getting comfortable in that routine. It's, you know, similar to clients that I work with in, in the in the gym, you know, go through the same process. That's the whole reason why we why we do all these things, because, it, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's a bar on a platform on a competition mm -hmm. or the or the bar in the in, in the gym. Mm -hmm. you approach you approach it the same way one thing that you mentioned there in terms of the the mindset um side of things going onto the platform beforehand and, and going slightly off was it um uh, was that something that you'd um thought about before in terms of a mindset because you know it is that it is that thing of how do you how do you adjust to that and sometimes you know because there, there's always that thought process of so there's some people who put some really big numbers up in training but can then sometimes um uh, struggle come competition with nerves or anything like that whereas you know um you mentioning the mindset side of things was that something that you'd thought about before did you get told that from from other people that you'd worked with or you know people that you surrounded yourself with or was that something that you'd come to kind of yourself um I think I, I really felt like I started getting really good at controlling my mindset and my just my mental approach to the bar probably like halfway through my powerlifting career. So probably when I became, you know, part of the national team and I was doing more international, you know, national and international meets, I felt like I was trying to invest more time into getting better at that um, because I found that that was a two percenter, right? Like, I mean, you get to a point as an elite athlete where you stop making those newbie gains, things start to plateau out and you kind of just need a kilo or two on sometimes on the day. And that mental approach is enough to get you over the edge there, especially if, you know, for me, for example, in my powerlifting, deadlift was always my best lift by far. So if I did need to throw an extra kilo or two on that last deadlift, you know, I needed to be ready. And that would be a big, you know, big thing for me to win versus lose. So um, I think it's something I did a lot of reading about when I was into my powerlifting. Um, I listened to a lot of podcasts, um, a lot of different athletes speaking about how they would get into their flow state. Um, and it is such an individual thing. You know, it's not something you just teach someone how to do. I think it comes when you feel like you can get in that zone, when you do feel 100% confident, you get a little bit of, I don't want to say like arrogance, but you are kind of like arrogance in yourself that you can yeah. do that. And, you know, you're telling yourself that everyone's there to watch you nail it. And it gets to a point where you can visualize yourself doing the lift before you do it. 
And I always used to tell my, my clients, it sounds so bizarre and so silly being like, you know, when you can visualize yourself successfully doing the lift, you know, you've got it. And the amount of times I go to bed some nights when I wasn't ready for it and I'd see myself just fail, fail, fail. And no matter how much I could try and picture myself, get it, it would always look shaky or it would always look like a no lift. And, you know, when you can finally get yourself, you know, mentally to convince yourself that you can do it, as silly as it sounds, that makes a big difference. Um, so I guess for me, with my powerlifting, I had my own routine and eventually, you know, every now and again, I'd somehow find myself in this flow state. And when I say flow state, I mean, from where they call out your name to when I'm holding the bar and I get a down signal, I don't remember a thing. Like it feels effortless and it just happens. And it doesn't happen often, um, but I found the more I could tap into that, oh, the more like, you know, anything on that bar was going to move. It didn't matter what it was, um, but it is so hard to teach. And I don't think it's something you can teach. I think people just need to, if I were, you know, to go back to me back then, I'd go back to my reading, listening to athletic podcasts, um, just trying to channel that and, and take it seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely understand because, you know, I have conversations with clients and other coaches and, um, you know, everyone kind of uh, describes it in a different way. And you mentioned it like a flow state there. I completely get what you mean. Whereas sometimes I think I, I, I agree. Sometimes it is hard to, to teach that even though you can go through yeah picture the lift walk up to the bar like what you know i said earlier in terms of you know um having your routine with your bar but sometimes it is just it just takes time and, and experience which is kind of for people listening might be like oh what i can't just do that straight away but it, it does it does take that and you know um for for people who might have uh, had a couple of competitions underneath the belt like it does it, it does happen and then that way you know you have a you have a really good day and then that's when you look back at the the footage backwards and be like oh actually yeah there was a couple more kilos left on that platform and you know it goes back to what we said at the start of you know you end up thinking oh well if i'd have just had hit this number i could have got this total and those sorts of things um one thing that i wanted to touch on there in terms of uh you know listening to podcasts about mindset and you know what other athletes do I think it is a case of, you know, in terms of the training side of things, there's a lot of information out there. And, you know, in terms of training, what works, works. The mindset side of things, like what you said, in terms of that, that, that 2%, I think is becoming more and more important or a lot more people are tapping into the mindset side of things. And one question that I wanted to ask is weightlifting had always been seen as the more professional sport if you like you know it was used in uh, uh uh you know the strength and conditioning world for team sports and that sort of stuff and powerlifting um let's eat what you want go into your weight class and, and, and just lift whereas i think powerlifting is becoming a lot more um professional if, if you like how have you found sort of the um the the background in both of them from a from from an athlete's point of view of how that sort of developed and especially you know over the last couple of years powerlifting has kind of has blown up um especially you know being being raw and like i say the entry point has been a, a lot lower to get in how have you found sort of the the professionalism of of, of both if you like at the higher level mm, yeah i think when i started powerlifting like it was very i don't know i don't know if i have a bias because when i started i wasn't elite or anything but I know when I started, it was very, you know, oh, we're powerlifting because when you hit nine for nine, you can go and eat a big greasy lunch after, you know, it was like that, like, you know, you've got to rock up to weigh in with the Krispy Kremes, scoff them before you lift, and then you get a greasy burger for lunch when you're done competing. Have you been like, watching? You 
Have you, been my, have you been to my competitions? That sounds a lot like our... Oh, would... <laughs> Seems like it's the pre-workout of every powerlifting competition. Um, so, I mean, like, not that that was ever a bad thing, but it, it does take away from that sense of, you know, like, well, that probably isn't great, you know, pre-comp nutrition. Like, if your goal is to be trying to do the best you can, it seems a bit silly to be going and, you know, eating that sort of thing beforehand. And it's something we all did when, we, when I started. I did it as well. Um, and I guess that's something I see less and less of now in my competitions when I go to see people weigh in, like nutrition in the last five years, I know, especially with powerlifting, is taken a lot more seriously. Um, so I guess that's been a big change that I've noticed, um, especially with the women here who compete. You know, it's just ridiculous how strong they've gotten in the last five years and, and the competition. And it's not just the nutrition. I think when I started powerlifting, I think in Australia, it's probably hard worldwide for people to appreciate. We've had every sport has politics, but we've had a lot of change of hands in federations here um, and different federations run comp competitions differently. Um, and I used to find, you know, powerlifting Australia used to be very well run, very formal competitions where everything was done, you know, on the minute, you know, exactly how it's supposed to to the book. And, you know, then they're the new federation come out and there were obviously, you know, little bits and pieces that were a bit messy to start out. And now that things are, you know, we've got the one federation that's affiliated with the IPF, it seems that things have ironed out really well. Um, so at least from a perspective from Australia, it seems things run a lot more professionally now that it's not muddy and there's not like, you know, which federation is going to be best for me. And it's like, you know, if you want to go to the IPF and you want to go to World, this is where you need to be. Um, therefore everything is run really professionally under this umbrella um, and I think that's super important now that everyone knows where they need to be to get where they need to go um, and as I come out of powerlifting there was that mud like there were two federations one was just currently kicked out of the IPF the other still wasn't completely endorsed and there was a really complex change of hands there where it just all felt very unprofessional and very yeah. Yeah, just muddy, I would probably say it. Um, whereas now it's much clearer that now that there's one body in Australia and I guess I haven't been internationally with powerlifting for a few years now because I haven't been in the sport, but looking as an outsider, it seems like things are a lot more clear, at least here anyway. Um, whereas for weightlifting, I don't have a whole lot to go off. I have only been doing it for competitively 20 months now. Um, and at an international level, I mean, as far as my experience, everything everything has been professional. And yeah, I wouldn't complain about a thing with weightlifting. Yeah. Oh, cool. And with the with making, you know, you said there uh, competing in weightlifting for you know for for 20 months. Are you kind of still finding um, challenges in terms of you know um, competing? Because we said at the start, they're still both strength sports. You're still putting more weight on the bar, whereas you know probably. Um, from a, a technical standpoint, there's a lot more to think about when it comes to um, uh, when it comes to weightlifting. This is where all the powerlifters start going. What do you mean? There's more to think about in the in those lifts. But um, are you still kind of finding um, challenges as as things are coming up through training and through the competitions that that that, uh, that you've had? Um, and what what have been some of the biggest challenges in terms of you know transitioning over? Because I know you said at the start having that base level of strength from powerlifting is you know a really big a bit a big bonus what were the what were the main challenges that you found you know um transitioning to weightlifting 
Yeah, there, there were a couple. Like, I think the big thing coming from powerlifting and like anyone would, you know, you're, you're quite strong in the big three, you know, squat, bench, dead, you can put some good good weight on the, the bar for those lifts. Um, and then all of a sudden, if you haven't done weightlifting before ever and you have to then strip back to a, if in some instances, a dowel, you know, take 200 kilos off a bar and just go back to a dowel for a month. Um, that can really hit the ego pretty hard and can be <laughs> upsetting. Um, so I know, like, to be honest, mentally, it took a really big hit um, to just let the ego go aside and go from being, you know, the best in the country and deadlifting 210, that's great, to now, okay, you're going to work on a bar for the next month and we'll see how you're going from there um, and just completely putting that aside and not being allowed to go do a bench press because it would affect my overhead mobility to make myself feel better, you know. So I think the ego took a big hit. Um, I was very strategic with the way I transitioned. Well, I'd like to think I was. Um, in that, I guess in this, there was a six month gap for me where I was still powerlifting. I knew I was going to go to weightlifting, but I would start to incorporate the basic strength weightlifting exercises into my program. So I would be putting in overhead squats for reps. I'd be putting in a lot of pause front squats with like a deep emphasis. Um, I'd do a lot of push press, um, handstand push up work. Um, I was doing a lot of that, but still squat benching and deadlifting as I was transitioning. Um, and I felt that was really beneficial in me not losing too much strength in the transition while I was trying to learn the movements. Um, and within that six months, you know, I was also doing just empty bar work. So I was doing a lot of, you know, getting used to a snatch and snatch pulls and clean pulls and um, a lot of those things. Um, I think something that was really helpful that my coach did early on was um, I guess from powerlifting, I was a sumo deadlifter, um, which was great because there was no confusion with my motor pattern when I had to go to a clean pull. Um, whereas any conventional deadlifting I was doing, we pulled that right out um, just because I know myself and seeing others try and do super totals and things like that. It is super easy to confuse those two together and that motor pattern gets muddy. Um, so I guess, yeah, there were strategies we used to try and make the transition as smooth as possible. Um, but definitely coming from powerlifting, look like the wrist mobility, the lat mobility would be the big one. Like you come with big juicy lats from powerlifting and then you can't, you press out everything above your head because <laughs> you just don't have the mobility. Um, so it was good. I think that we had those movements in early on while we were transitioning to get comfortable there. Um, yeah. I think from I think from that point of view, because I think sometimes you can just think, um, oh well, you can squat and deadlift as a powerlifter, that'll be fine for a weightlifter. Whereas, you know, you mentioned a couple of things there of you know, just doing some overhead squats, um, just doing some uh, handstand push-ups, just trying to add add some things because I think there are some similarities that, that you can have, but um, like what you mentioned there about the conventional and the sumo, there are like what we like what we've said they are both strength sports but they are going to be they are going to be very different in terms of the build-up to competitions did you find anything different in terms of um the strategy in terms of peaking up to the um well probably more so on how your body feels because only having you know two lifts heading into a heading into a competition was it uh, kind of a little bit of oh actually this feels pretty good only doing two lifts into a competition compared to you know I know sometimes I've been into competitions just thinking I can't wait to compete and then just have a little have a little bit of time off was there any difference there um or was it was it pretty similar heading uh, heading into sort of your peaking phase heading into the competition Oh, super different, super different. And in a good way, different. Um, <laughs> I remember like powerlifting comps, you know, you'd, everyone who powerlifts would appreciate, you know, you wait for that 
that taper and then you know in that taper week everything feels like crap and you know your neural system is just corked and you know you you're just exhausted and even like your day your week's work of the week leading up to a comp you're just fried and you know you're just mentally like oh I just need to get this done and then miraculously you wake up on comp day and everything's fantastic um but I remember powerlifting I used to like it would happen every competition you know I would do a 10-day taper for competition um where we'd progressively drop my volumes over 10 days down down to slowly down to 40% and then back up to 60% day before comp. Um, and that was just what worked for me. Um, and that, that drop, like I used to like think, you know, this deadlift is like 20 kilos under my opener and it's not even breaking the floor and I've got to compete in seven days. Holy shit. Um, but then you'd go and PB on comp day and everything would be fine. Um, whereas weightlifting, I just think because the, for me anyway, the loads that I'm lifting aren't nearly as heavy as what they were for powerlifting. My body, my recovery turnaround is just like so fast. Like I can, I, when my weightlifting now, I'm probably nearly maxing out, you know, every week, like every Friday is like my max out Friday and, you know, and I can still go in and lift pretty heavy on Saturday and not be too affected just because, you know, the heaviest thing I'd be doing would be a clean and, you know, that would be maybe 100 kilos for me, whereas, you know, I can front squat 130. So that in comparison for a couple of reps isn't exhausting or isn't taxing um, as it might be for someone who doesn't have that strength or that background with powerlifting. Um, so I think in terms of the lead up to a competition, weightlifting has been lovely and I would find it very hard to transition back to powerlifting after how I've been feeling both physically and mentally, um, but very different. And the tapers are obviously much shorter for weightlifting for me. Do you think that recovery will change? Obviously, the more you progress in weightlifting, the, the more the more the weights go up. Do you think that's because I know we touched on sort of the the, the newbie gains? I think that might be um, more of a skill a skill component in terms of as, as that's developing. Do you think that might change? Or um, one thing that I wanted to touch on, especially you know working as a, a as a physio and understanding you know your body and mobility and the recovery side of things, or do you reckon that's kind of um, What's the phrase I'm looking for? Kind of like in your advantage so that you can always keep on top of those things? Um, I would like to think it's in my advantage. I'd like to think that, you know, as I progress, like my body does adapt and it does adjust. Um, I don't think it would ever feel like it did when I was powerlifting, just not lifting enough load. But I would like to think, yeah, my body would adjust as time goes. And, and to be honest, I'm kind of at a point where I don't see myself lifting so much more that it would impact me too much more I think we made some great newbie gains early on um, and between then and now not much has changed um, so I just think yeah in terms of total volumes and working that out you know the taper might start a little earlier um, but in terms of how I feel I think I would imagine it would stay pretty consistent yeah and a couple of times obviously you mentioned you know, swapping powerlifting to, to weightlifting and the, the mobility side of things. And um, you mentioned starting in uh, strength sports from injuries. For on the physio side of uh, side of things, do you think that's kind of helped you have a better understanding when you're working with clients in terms of because um, there's sometimes probably more so in the in in the strength sports side of things oh it's fine I'll, I'll still be able to do this session or anything like that has that kind of helped you in terms of your approach how you work with clients and an understanding of you know you know that people want to go back and lift whereas you know actually you could sometimes cause more damage just diving straight back in rather than right this is the process of getting back to full fitness and full strength 
I think it being a therapist is awesome because it helps me rather than just know what to tell people I think it's helped me empathize with people a lot better um so I can I can appreciate you know you might need to unload for two weeks and you know I don't want you squatting heavy but at least I can work with the athlete in methods how we can still train and how we can still keep moving you know somehow to make it work and empathize you know what they would be going through mentally um like right now i i had a pretty bad injury about two weeks ago that i'm i'm trying to rehab right now i completely tore my quad off the i like the tendon just like completely ruptured it and if i were you know me going through that is super important as a therapist because you know i get patients all the time and have to have months off and it's you know not ever you don't want to be the person that's like you know you're gonna have to not clean and joke for three months you know people are gonna be like what the hell like you know i've got con games coming up i need to do it <laughs> um but at least you know me going through that i have my own strategies that i've implemented i kind of know how it feels not just physically but mentally um but i can help them sort of you know plan through what they are going to do for the next three months whether it be a completely different strategy that helps them still move into some capacity or whether it be just mentally, you know, we find something else for them to, to fill that, that gap that they're missing, you know, that piece to their, their life that makes such a big contribution. Um, so I think as a therapist, you know, not that I want to go and get injured and I definitely <laughs> wouldn't encourage that. It's awesome that, you know, I can share that with people and, you know, I don't want to say to people, like, I know what you're going through, but I can help at least try and understand what they're going through and, and provide alternate strategies. Um, because I don't think I've ever had to tell anyone, you know, who's coming with an injury, do not go to the gym and train, you know, there's always something that they can do always. Um, so I think that's super important. Yeah, definitely. Cause I know sometimes, you know, uh, I've had clients come back and say, oh yeah, uh, I went and, uh, I went, I went and saw a, a, a physio and they said, oh, I need to not do anything for, for, for three weeks. And it's kind of like, well, surely there's something there's something that we can focus on because it's a little bit like you know earlier on when we were speaking about the mindset side of things people need to still feel as though they're, they're progressing whereas you know there might be other things that start um, coming to the surface if they don't if they don't end up training um in terms of the uh you know we've spoken about the the mobility side of things and I know when we were setting up this um chat I was talking about sort of the prehab and the, and then the rehab side of things was that a conversation that you've had with the coaches that, that you've worked with in terms of adding adding stuff in? Have you had um, any influence on that? Or was it a case of, um, you know, you kind of kept them quite separate, you know, your own training and the clients that clients that you work, excuse me, work with? Yeah. So I think for me personally, I um I implement my own stuff only because I feel really confident in what I feel I need. Um and my coach is a good friend of mine. Um, so I think for him, I I let him handle like the barbell stuff and the gym stuff. And he knows that I know my body better than anyone else, um, just over the years, knowing what I feel good doing and yeah, how I feel on the day. So for me, I manage my own little routine of things depending on how I feel that morning or what I'm training. Um, how I usually work with my clients and I think you know it's really tricky when you're a physio who looks after especially like I specialize with lifters you don't want to tread on a coach's toes right so I don't want to go and construct a warm-up program for someone who's already got one from their coach and then they're doubling up and then they're probably doing things that their coach doesn't know about or should know about and might not want them doing or it might be you know contradicting something um, so for me you know it's super important to be just communication focused you know I would always reach out to a coach if it is someone else's client and say, you know, I've assessed, you know, this person today, these are the things that I've noticed, um, you know, have you noticed this? 
Um, would you be happy for me to either give them some guidance or could you potentially add this somewhere into their warm-up program? And um, I think it's super important for, I know powerlifters, for example, you know, when I was a powerlifter, we'd spend hours in the gym. Like, I mean, like two hours would be pretty normal. And I would like to think I didn't rest lots. I know people spend longer than that. Um, and the last thing they want to hear is, oh, here's half an hour of rehab. You've got 20 minutes from the physio, 20 minutes from the coach, and then get under a bar. Um, so I think just for buy-in sake as well, you know, you need to keep it short and sweet. Um, and there's nothing better than when a team works together and you just get the better results out of people that way. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, you know, mentioning there, uh, you know, working as a team. And that's why I kind of asked between, you know, do you keep it quite, quite separate or can you, can you blend the two together? Because, I know sometimes, you know, exactly like what you said there, you've got your program from your coach and then you're going to have, you know, some uh, uh, rehab or prehab that you that, that you need to do. And it's kind of like, how do I how do I blend this blend this together? Because, you know, I always liken that. Um, that uh, I think it's a, a, a photograph where the person stood on the podium and there's all the other things underneath that they've, that, that they've had to do. And I think it has to be um, a, a teamwork side of things. Do you think that, you know, um, that's becoming more and more, uh, I know we touched on it earlier about the professionalism side of things, but do you think that's becoming more and more apparent where, um, because I've had, I've worked with some um, uh, therapists and, and, and physios who haven't trained, they haven't got that background and they don't have that understanding. Do you think that's kind of um, changing now? What, what's kind of your thoughts on that? I think it's changed heaps. Like I know when I started, oh God, I'm only new to physiotherapy. So I've been practicing for two years now. Um, but I know when I was a lifter, you know, when I was starting out six years ago, I couldn't find a physio that was barbell lifting, like nowhere, like in, like in Sydney, which is quite big, let alone in Australia. So I think now, you know, you go on Instagram and there's knee physios, there's powerlifting physios, there's these physios. And it's, I think social media has been glamorous in that. Like it's been able to, you know, provide all of these alternatives for people who specialize in different sports and different movements. And I think the beauty in social media is not only the market for that, but it allows us as therapists to easily reach out to those coaches. So I see a lot of online people like from America, from New Zealand, um, in just like interstate Australia, and, you know, if I want to send a quick voice message to a coach and say, you know, hey, like introduce myself, say that I've seen their client and, you know, just sort of point it out. These are some, you know, they've come to me with knee pain. These are some things I've noticed. Would you be happy for me to send you some recommendations on like what they could do? And usually like 99% of the time, the coaches are happy as Larry because not only are we addressing the person's pain, that means they can keep training. That keeps not only the coaching business, but it keeps the athlete happy. And it's a win-win because they perform on the platform. Um, so I think the athlete gets what they want because they're not in pain anymore and they can lift well. And the coach and the therapist are happy because we kind of make each other's jobs easier. Because I mean, the coach has that connection with the athlete. They know them really well. You know, they might know some social yellow flag things that may or may not be happening that I've missed. And that might help me in terms of diagnosing and prescribing. And I have that feel like in what I'm looking for. So I think as a team, it's really easy to do this day and age because you can literally pick up your phone, go on Instagram, pop in there, you know, their name, and I can just shoot them a voice message from the other side of the world and that patient's looked after. Um, so I think in terms of that, that wouldn't have happened five years ago, whereas it happens, I don't know about anywhere else in the world, but it happens a lot here in Australia. And I think it's awesome that people have that communication bias like together. Um, and to be honest, I don't hear a lot of patients anymore come to me and say, 
you know, I went and saw this physio, but he, he doesn't lift and he told me not to go to the gym anymore. That happens so rarely now compared to when I was a lifter and everyone would say that, you know, my physio said not to train. Um, I think that's super rare this day and age. Yeah, definitely. I think that's been a change for the, for the good really. And I know obviously, um, really um, interesting hearing you mention that about, especially on the social media side of things I said earlier, typing powerlifting and loads of things will, will, will come up. And I think sometimes it can, uh, it can be quite hard to filter what's actually, actually useful on social media because there is so much information on there. Whereas in terms of, you know, um, uh, like what you mentioned there, sending a voice note communication, me, con you know, contacting you from all the way over here in, in, in Leeds, you know, it is only going to be uh, uh, beneficial and, you know, you hit the nail on the head there. Ultimately, it's about that um, that athlete, that client getting on the platform. And because everyone gets involved in strength, in strength sports, you know, I, I say this quite a lot. Everyone gets involved in strength sports because they enjoy it or they catch that powerlifting or, or weightlifting bug, you know, and to be able to, um, to stop that sort of... Uh, Oh well, I'm the coach, so I'm now I'm now going to step into the physio world, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try and fix them. It's kind of you know much better to have somebody who's uh, an expert and got a knowledge in that field rather than, especially with the the physios and therapists that that that, that I work with. You know, I would never try and have that knowledge up to a certain point, but then it's you know with help. I always use the analogy of if you broke your car. I wouldn't try and fix that myself. I have an understanding, but you would go see you 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 would go see a mechanic. Um, and I think it goes both ways too, though, right? Like I think I see still a lot of therapists this day and age who who get a bit carried away, even as physios, you know. And it can be sometimes really easy for us to to step on toes without realizing, you know. And we give a bunch of things, and we off the cuff might go, you know, oh, you know, if I were you, I'd probably be doing some box squats or I'd be doing this. And and then before you know it, you know, that athlete's gone back to the coach and said, why aren't you putting these in my program? And then it sounds like, you know, the coaches missed something and then they get annoyed and you've got to be super careful and just be both so switched on with transparency and with communication that absolutely like, yeah, the coach can sometimes think they can do the job, but I think sometimes the physios can do it too. And that's where the communication can't go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's got, it's got to be like, it's got to be like that, you know, um, especially I've had a couple of people work with uh, coaches on their nutrition as well, you know, and it's a case of, right, well, this is the training, this is, and then you can match, you can match it, match everything up. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, I think communication is a really, um, it, it is a really big thing. And, you know, it's good to hear that, um, you know, from, from what I've seen and, you know, from, from yourself as well, that um, that is getting, that that is getting better and change and changes slightly um quite a lot of topics um chatted about there and a, a few a few tangents thrown in um the last question that i like to ask for everyone listening what would be your take-home points or words of wisdom words of wisdom oh man in terms of from an athlete perspective uh whatever you want from an athlete's perspective physio perspective all right. Well, I guess like if, if it were for me from an athlete perspective or even a work perspective, you know, I think if your ultimate goal is to want to, you know, you know what, if I'm going to give like one little tip that I've noticed that like a lot of people in Australia in recent times have like taken upon, it's don't be afraid to try something new. Um, I think with powerlifting when I started you feel like you nearly get sucked into this tunnel of like you know I'm starting to get good at this sport and I need to just stay here now and 
I can't do something different because this is my identity and this is what I've got to do. And, you know, I'm, I'm deadlifting or squatting this much, so I can't go do weightlifting because I'd have to start from scratch. I just think, you know, don't be afraid to try different things and, and don't get too caught up on what you think other people are thinking of you because 90% of the time people aren't thinking anything of you. And if anything, they're admiring you giving things a go. Um, so something I don't regret is that transition. I've absolutely loved going from powerlifting to weightlifting. I would never, you know, redo it another way. And if I didn't let myself be a bit vulnerable for, you know, 12 months to make that transition, it wouldn't have happened. Um, so I think if you are looking for a bit of a change in whatever sport someone's trying to do um, and they're worried about what that is, others think, just give it a crack because I don't think you're really going to regret it if you're having that itch to want to make a change. Yeah, I think that's a really good point to, uh, to to finish on. And, you know, you're kind of, especially, you know, when we've been sp speaking about powerlifting and weightlifting there, you can see that you enjoy weightlifting do you know what i mean you've enjoyed you've been you've enjoyed that transition which is uh which is really good and i think that's a really good example that um people will uh put themselves in that box of well i'm a powerlifter so i'm not gonna i can't do anything else i just need to lift heavy all the time or i'm a, a crossfitter or, or whatever it is whereas you know actually similar to like what we said at the at the very start well actually i did karate i did um rugby league rugby union you know there's no reason to go and to go and uh, do these different things i know for me after the um the british championships last year um i kind of uh just i, I didn't have that um excitement to lift it was the first time after a powerlifting competition i was kind of like I, I remember walking in walking into the gym um loading up to deadlift and just thought i don't really fa i don't really fancy doing this so i went back and i went back and played rugby for, for a little bit just to do something different and um i think that's where you know it's 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 okay to do that powerlifting weightlifting strongman crossfit rugby are always going to be there you can dip in and out mm -hmm. of it it's not to say that you have to do that all the time um thanks a lot jess for taking the time to jump on really really enjoyed chatting with you um this morning or this evening um for, uh, for anyone listening who might have any questions about what we've chatted about today and um, want to see the uh, the content and info that you put out there, um, where could people find you or, or reach out to you? Yeah, cool. Um, so first of all, thanks for having me, Stephen. It's been awesome to have a chat. And like I said, you're catching me sort of as it's starting to darken up. So it's kind of probably from <laughs> um, I'm Sua Strong on Instagram. So Sua, S-E-W-A, Strong. Um, so yeah, if you guys want to reach out, feel free to ask questions. I'm quite responsive. So happy to answer any questions to do with anything at all, even if it is about you, you know, making a little sneaky transition. I'm more than happy to give some um, context behind my journey. Um, and I guess, yeah, in terms of posts, I've been pretty bad educational wise, but I'll usually pop up the odd physio thing here and there. So um, performance wise, injury wise, yeah, give me a message if you have any questions. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Jess, for taking the time to jump on. Thanks a lot to everyone listening. And I will see you all next week. Thanks, Stephen. <laughs>